Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Sunday is the last day those without health insurance can obtain an insurance plan through the health care exchange marketplace. Those who don't get insurance are facing bigger fines this year, fines large enough to motivate younger people who aren't insured to sign up. This is the third year for the exchanges. The number of Americans who are without insurance decreased significantly in the first two years, but it's leveled off somewhat this year, according to the Gallup Healthways Wellbeing Index. Now, that's a national figure. It's been a year since Pennsylvania made the move to expand Medicaid for low-income individuals who qualify. We'll discuss all this and answer your questions on today's program. Joining us is Pennsylvania's Insurance Commissioner, Teresa Miller. Commissioner Miller, welcome to the program. Thank you, Scott. Also joining us is Lynn Kelts, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Mental Health Consumers Association. She also is a navigator. Lynn Kelts, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. If you have a question or a comment, we only have a few days left before the deadline. 1-800-729-7532 or send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. All right, I said in one of... Uh, the documents where I was promoting uh, your appearances today, that there could be a crush of Americans. Have we seen that in Pennsylvania here in the last few days, or are people too concerned with digging out from the snow? (laughs) Well, I think as a a navigator, we did have to take Monday off, and people didn't want to come in to see us on Monday. But the, the traffic is steady. I wouldn't say that there's a big rush, but I would expect that over the next three to four days, we're going to have a lot of people coming in and we already have appointments so i would encourage people no matter where you are in the state to find your navigator organization and make sure you get an appointment right away so that you can take care of that if you need assistance or go online and do it yourself when you've been a navigator uh all three years Mm -hmm. that this has been available through the marketplace uh so you have some experience talking about the first two years what did we see in the first two years, at that last week, the last few days, where there are a lot of people who signed up? Yes. The first year, there was a big rush of people to sign up, so much so across here and across the country that they extended that deadline a little bit. Uh, last year, I would say the rush was probably 20 to 30 percent less mm-hmm. than it was the first year because more people who needed the insurance are getting it in a timely way. It's better advertised, people more knowledgeable. This year it's been steady. Um, it's about like last year. Mm-hmm. It, it, we don't feel particularly pressured at this point. We will have weekend hours at our offices to help well, accommodate I would hope people. So. It's on Sunday this year. Yes. In fact, I had, to, I had to look that up to make sure that it wasn't being extended to Monday since the deadline was on Sunday. But it is Sunday, right? It is Sunday. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Miller, overall, what have we seen in Pennsylvania over the last year? You know, and and Lynn can probably speak to this, too, in terms of what she's seen as a navigator. But I think the good news is, you know, we're in the third open enrollment period. I think people are learning more about how to shop for insurance. I I was at an open enrollment event uh, just a few, a month or so ago. And it was interesting talking to one of the consumers there who said, you know, my plan was discontinued and normally I would never go shop. I don't want to shop. But he said, you know, this year I was forced to. And uh, and actually I found a plan that worked for me. I was, you know, I was surprised and, and really glad I did shop. So I think we're finding that people are learning more about how to shop for insurance, which I think is, is a good thing. 
when you talk about that, that is, that is one of the words that, that I have seen most often referring to people who are shopping is they're becoming more savvy. Mm -hmm. And when they're becoming more savvy, what does that mean? What are they looking for? What are they learning? It means they're they're understanding things like, you know, what does a deductible mean? I need to look at the deductible and not just the premium that I'm paying every month. I need to understand provider networks. We're finding, Lynn and I were just talking about this, we're finding that, you know, companies in many cases to keep their premiums affordable, they're reducing their provider network. And so it's really important for people to understand when they move plans are all the doctors I'm seeing now and all the facilities I go to, are they in this new company's uh, network? Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, one of those things that uh, when you, the first thing you said that uh, people are asking about deductibles. I, I have to admit that I'm a, a little bit surprised over the past three years. Uh, the number of people who don't really know what a deductible is, what their deductible is, they've learned and they've learned the hard way. So, I mean, I, I knew what one was, but I've learned the hard way that, you know, <laughs> those things are, I hate those deductibles. But, hey, that's just, a, that's only my opinion. Let's go to Ryan in Lancaster. Ryan, you're on the air. Uh, hi. I was on the marketplace in 2014, 2015, but I will not be on 2016. My family and I have chosen to do something different because we had a horrible experience with all three of the major actors here. The marketplace itself, the health insurance company we were working with, and uh, Pennsylvania's Medicaid office. Um, I was sort of right on the edge of uh, income, so when I put in my application for 2015, I said, all right, uh, you and one child are going to be on the marketplace, but you need to go get mom and the other child checked out for eligibility for Medicaid. I didn't want to be on Medicaid. I knew it wouldn't qualify, but that's what I had to do. Okay, so I go to the state, um, and... I'm supposed to send them information. Four months later, I get a letter saying, all right, we need you to send you in, uh, information about your income to this number. It's due in five days. And then six days later, I get a letter saying, you've been rejected because you didn't send us the information. I filed an appeal, never thing about it. And then the health insurance company miscredited the marketplace's subsidy payment, so it looked like I had a credit on my account. So they stopped sending the invoices, so I couldn't pay my premium. But because I wasn't paying my premium, they started um, reporting to providers that my insurance had been canceled for non-payment, and I couldn't actually do anything about it. I had to manually add up all the numbers myself and physically take a check in because so, they couldn't give me an invoice. Right, right. None of these problems were ever resolved. Ryan, I, I hate to interrupt you, but uh, obviously you did have a bad experience, and I can hear in your voice that uh, you still haven't gotten over it. Uh, but so I'm going to keep you on the line here. Do either one of you want to address what Ryan experienced? I'm sure he's not the only one that had to go through, jump through some of those hoops. The first year, there were problems. I'm not saying there aren't now, but have a lot of those problems been resolved? And is there anything specifically you can say to Ryan? Well, I think he experienced every one of the problems, and I, I'm sorry, Ryan, that that happened for you. Um, when you get to the issue of transferring data from the marketplace to the Medicaid offices, sometimes that has presented a problem. The county, even still, even still, the well, the problem seems to arise more when it gets to Pennsylvania. The county assistance offices. There's a different office in each county that deals with Medicaid. And those are the county assistance offices. 
and sometimes their response is not timely. Uh, we've seen people who had to wait beyond the 45-day period to find out whether or not they were eligible. We've also seen people, and this is not a slam against the county assistance offices. I know they're overworked. But we have seen times when we knew the information had been faxed to a particular county because we did it from our office. It was said that it was received. But yet the counties somehow lost that information. And so a person was denied. And that That is a systemic issue for the state to work out. It doesn't have to do with the marketplace and the insurance available there. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, I hate to say that uh, you were kind of the guinea pig, but it sounds like you did experience all those things. Yeah, I spent more time than I ever had on this issue, and we will never, ever use a marketplace policy again. They even reset my deductible in December without telling me they were going to do it. And so all of my expenses in December, oh, new deductible. Mm. Okay, Ryan, thank you very much for your call. Uh, Commissioner, obviously you don't like to hear those kind of things. No, I hate hearing those sorts of stories. I'm less familiar with how the Medicaid uh, program works um, just because it's not part of the insurance department. But, boy, you hate hearing those stories. And, and you know the bugs have to get worked out in the first couple of years, but I hate hearing Ryan say he's not going to come back and try again or because hopefully these things are going to get worked out. Well, I hate to put you on the spot and say, well, sell him. Why should someone who has had a bad experience come back? Well, you know, the penalties are going up. Well, there's one thing. There's one thing, right? Um, you know, this year we're looking at $695 um, per person or uh, 2.5% of your income. So it's the cost-benefit analysis, I think, is changing. Um, but also, you know, I don't know if Ryan was eligible for subsidies to help pay for, for the insurance, but um, that's certainly a reason to, to go to the marketplace and look for insurance. We know in 2015, about 80% of Pennsylvanians on the exchange, we're getting some sort of assistance. So that's another really good reason to to check it out. Mm -hmm. What about rates here in Pennsylvania? I know you just put out a release that uh, Pennsylvania was in, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, the bottom or the top when it comes to uh, lowest rates. We had really good news. I was I was actually really pleasantly surprised by this story. We didn't know this was coming out and we didn't know that this study had been done. But uh, Pennsylvania ranked fifth lowest in the nation for total costs associated with silver plans purchased through the Affordable Care Act. So this didn't just most most studies look at just premium. This didn't just look at premium. It also looked at deductible and cost sharing associated with plans. And and Pennsylvania looks good if you compare us to the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take some more phone calls in just a moment. But one thing that uh, we really do and I say we meaning as a country uh, need for rates to not increase, not jump so much, is we do need those younger people. That was part of this whole uh, affordable care. Uh, the whole idea behind it was that you'd get uh, so many uninsured people, especially younger people, in that it would keep rates down. Uh, have we seen anything, and Lynn, you can even answer this uh, from an observational point of view, but as far as age goes, as far as more younger people getting uh, enrolled, have we seen that this year? I think we are. I saw information, it's been uh, probably a month or so from HHS, I think, that indicated that we are starting to see younger people purchase. So I think that's a good sign. 
Mm-hmm. Lynn, what about your observations? We do see people of all ages. I would say in the first year we saw more people who were in the in their 50s or early 60s who had either lost a job and couldn't regain employment or who had retired early but were too young to have Medicare start. Uh, We saw a lot of people in that age range. But that we are, again, as as the commissioner said, we're seeing more young people. And we always point to a couple of people who came in the first year. They were like 18 to 20. Their families didn't have insurance, and, and they got it, and they're coming back every year and probably telling their friends that they did this too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's getting better. People are realizing they want to avoid uh, bankruptcy. So. Well, and not only that, but also want to avoid that fine of $695 yes. this year. I mean... Uh, I would assume that uh, $695, and I hope that uh, most of the plans are less than $695 over the course of a year. Am I right? The price of plans depends on a person's well, income, yeah, depends right, on the right. plan. Um, it's They can be three or $400 a month, So that, but if you're looking at per person in your household or 2.5% of your income, whichever is higher. You have to take a look as an individual at that. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to take some more phone calls, and we have some open lines if you have a question, too. 1-800-729-7532. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. On today's program, with just a few days before the deadline for open enrollment in 2016 for the Affordable Care Act, the health care marketplace exchanges, uh, we'd like to answer your questions if you have any. 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can ask a question, leave a comment on WITS Facebook page. Again, that phone number is 1-800-729-7532. This segment today is part of WITF. Transforming Health uh, Project, covering health news and in-depth analysis of today's evolving healthcare landscape. Visit us at transforminghealth.org. Transforming Health is an educational partnership of WITF, Penn State Hershey Medical Center, and Wellspan Health. Also, to learn more about health insurance in Pennsylvania, explore the online Transforming Health tool, Getting Covered. It's an easy-to-use guide for understanding year three of Pennsylvania's new health care system, how to access health insurance, and how to make the most of your plan to ensure positive health outcomes for you and your family. That's at transforminghealth.org slash getting covered. All right, let's go back to the phone now and go to Duke in York. Duke, you're on the air. Hello, Duke, are you there? All right, apparently not. He's checking out his, uh, his his health insurance right now. So let's see who else do we have on the line. Let's go to Randy in Camp Hill. Randy, are you there? I am. All right, what's your question or comment, Randy? Uh, well, you know, with this health insurance, uh, there's so many different things. One of the things that bothers me is the difference in, in price for their product uh, or a similar product. For example, I have a friend who's you know, on the lower end of income, and uh, I, I, I guess she's welfare as well. And she gets um, her her premium uh, for her uh, medical is for annually is what I would pay for my biweekly, and I think that's absurd. Um, you know, if we had cars, for example. It, and use cars. You know, one person doesn't buy a car at one price, and just because you're poor, you buy one at another price, and you both, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to me, although I still 
on the other hand, think everybody should have access to health insurance. So, you know, what do you do? And my deductible, you know, doubled. Um, you know, it's four thousand um, dollars. You know, so I don't know. It, it's it's disturbing. All right. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, Commissioner, one thing that let's take both of those uh, one at a time, the deductible and also the friend. Um, if, you know, because I'm anticipating one of your answers is going to be tax credits. Uh, someone of low income should not have to pay anything or pay very little, correct? I think that's the idea. The idea is between uh, with the subsidies that, that everyone can afford it, I think, because we have a mandate in this country. So the difference between buying health insurance and buying a car is there's no mandate that you buy a car. There is a mandate now that you buy health insurance. So as Congress, I think, was debating the Affordable Care Act and they were talking about a mandate, when you have a mandate, you also have to have a way to help people pay for it. So I think that's where you have the subsidies that help people who can't afford it pay for it. Now, he, but he said his friend was low income but was still paying a, a good deal of money. Where could she have gone wrong? That I don't know. It's hard to know. I, I couldn't tell if she was on Medicaid or if she was... Well, he said uh, welfare, which, you know, we don't refer to as welfare any longer. Okay, so I, I'm less familiar with how Medicaid works in terms of out-of-pocket costs and what people pay in terms of premiums. I don't know if Lynn knows more about that. Mm -hmm. Medicaid is a great form of insurance for people who are low-income working people or people who are in some other kind of difficult situation. There is not a monthly premium for Medicaid. Uh, there are some requirements that you have to follow on it and you get recertified every six months, so it's they're checking all the time to make sure that your income hasn't increased beyond their uh, eligibility format. But uh, sometimes a prescription might cost a few dollars, a doctor's office might have a very low copay, but it's, a, it's almost free uh, in terms of insurance. Mm -hmm. So Medicaid with low-income individuals. So, uh, Commissioner, I, you know, again, and, and this is not your department, but do you know what has happened over the past year since Pennsylvania has become, you know, decided to expand Medicaid and accepted the money from the federal government uh, during, you know, Governor Wolf, that was one of the first things he did as governor last uh, last year. What experience have we seen? I think we've seen a lot more people get access to health insurance. So I think it's been a really positive story for Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, let's take a few more phone calls. Duke is back on the line. Duke, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, Scott. Hi. Can you hear yep. me? I hear you. Okay. Thank you. I uh, love the show. Thank uh, you. Two questions. Uh, first question is, want to know for Pennsylvania residents, what is the... Uh, the gap, uh, if you make too much money or you make too little money, you can't get uh, Obamacare. Uh, so I wanted to know if they could tell us those two figures. Okay. And the second, qu and the second question is, if uh, a, a green card holder just comes into the state, into the United States, the first year, uh, they don't have any record of income, so they don't know whether they're going to qualify or not be because they don't have income records. And I wondered how that's handled with uh, permanent legal residents, green, green card holders. All right. Thank you very much for your call. It's always a good time to talk about one of the basics, and that is income levels that uh, you're, where you're eligible. In my understanding, I don't know that I have the 2016 figures, but in 2015, um, you could have a, a family of four with an annual income of about $95,000 qualify for a subsidy. 
Okay. What was that again? I'm sorry. I was looking at the... For a family of four with an annual income of $95,000, they could still qualify for a subsidy. Okay. All right. Um, you know, one thing we didn't address was one of our earlier callers mentioned that uh, his deductible had doubled uh, in December when he signed up. What happened there? Well, the insurance companies have changed some of their plans and increased deductibles in an effort to save costs on their end. But we're encouraging everybody to do what we said initially, shop for insurance. It's quite possible that that individual might have been able to find a different plan with a lower deductible. Sometimes, though, you choose to pay a low premium, and if you do that, your deductible will probably be higher than in some other plans. In a way, you're kind of rolling the dice, then, that uh, there won't be uh, a medical issue, a health issue. Um, Deductibles, this is one of those things that has surprised a lot of people, how high deductibles, and this not just through the Affordable Care Act, but insurance companies overall, health insurance companies overall, that, uh, you know, many people, Commissioner, this is the trend, isn't it, that uh, to keep premiums lower, Mm -hmm. that we're seeing higher deductibles. How far is this going to go? Well, and it's it's not just the higher deductibles. We're seeing changes in plans like we talked about earlier, the narrower network. So I think I think companies are, especially on the exchange, they're really trying to compete based on premium. And there are only a few things they can do now with all the requirements for coverage, which is a good thing. Um, but it's, it's giving them less and less room to maneuver in terms of trying to reduce the premium because there's so many benefits that they have to include. Um, now it's it's can I reduce my network? Can I increase the deductible? How do I keep that premium low so I can maintain um, a competitive place on the marketplace? How does one decide how much of a deductible is too much? I mean, one of our earlier callers said, uh, and you could tell in his voice that he said my deductible was $4,000. That sounds like an awful lot, but it's probably close to average nowadays, I would imagine. Um, Maybe a little bit more. But when you see those numbers on paper or on a computer monitor, you think, uh, wow, $4,000. I'll never be able to afford that if something goes wrong. If I'm in the hospital for two or three days, there's $4,000 right out of my pocket. But that is the trend that those those deductibles are going up. So how does a person decide? And Lynn, as a navigator, I'm sure this is a discussion you have with your clients all the time is, those deductibles, how do you decide what is too big? There's a couple things. If you're on the lower end of the income scale, you might get not only tax credits, but also cost sharing, which means the government is sharing the cost of your deductibles and your annual uh, maximum amount that you will have to pay. So some people might look at a plan with a $2,000 deductible, but because they're very low income but not yet Medicaid eligible, they can get that deductible lowered down to $500, which becomes more affordable, and they're more likely to use their health care, and they're more likely to stay healthy. And that's that's the intent. Now, there was another thing I was going to say, <laughs> uh, but you really need to look at those plans, and we help people do that. We sit down with them and say, okay, it's this much deductible. Can you afford that? Because there is a range available in each county uh, you might have a silver. You might have 16 silver plans to look at and shop from. So you have to look at what you have. And actually, I think that people who have been working and had insurance at work 
don't always know what their deductibles are either and might be surprised by them when they actually do get sick. Uh, they don't realize how much insurance has cost their employer over the years. So now when they're not employed and having to pay the full price of insurance, it's very surprising to many people. And before we go back to the phones, a lot of times when we do these programs, I like to talk about the basics. You've been talking about bronze. You've been talking about silver. Gold is the other, correct? And platinum. And platinum. So there's four different levels there. What are they? Generally, you know, where, where do they rank? And uh, uh, you can also talk about uh, maybe even the, the, uh, the money limits or how far they go. I'm not sure about money limits. Okay, but, well, that's, yeah, that is. You know, an individual could look at a bronze plan, but knowing that they're probably going to guess that it's like buying car insurance. What kind of coverage do you get? Are you betting that you're going to not ever have any accidents? Are you betting that you might have an accident, so you need to get that type of insurance coverage? So with health care, you might be betting about whether you're going to stay healthy. You're 35 years old. You've always been healthy. You don't want to pay a lot, so you might choose a bronze plan that has lower deductible or lower premiums but the higher deductibles. The silver plans... Um, if you are lower income and might get cost sharing, you need to get the silver plan because that's the only level that will give you the cost sharing tax credits you get everywhere. But the silver level is the only place to get cost sharing. Those are the plans we see most people in this area and through the state uh, purchasing because they seem to be pretty much affordable for many people. And then the gold plan is a, and the platinum plans pay more of your medical costs and you might want that if you know you've got something coming up or you go into this knowing you have cancer and you have to have treatment, you would rather pay a little bit more per month and get a better coverage uh, so that you know you can manage it. All right, let's take some more phone calls. Uh, let's see, we have Steve in Dover. Steve, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Steve. Good morning, hello. Um, I have um, a question and then I also have some uh, concerns or I guess I'm gonna call them complaints I'd like to bring up. Um, I currently uh, have, I currently right now move to a Christian share group, and um, I'd like to know um, how that affects uh, me as far as the penalty of the 600 and some dollars and the 400 and some per child. Um, do I need to turn in any paperwork so that you can be verified? Because I understand it's acceptable outside of the health care group. I'm not sure about the IRS rules. The group, the religious group, has to be a recognized group, not just something that people mm -hmm. put together for the purposes of health insurance, like the Amish, as you know, they are exempt. So it's likely that if you know, you've done your research, this is a group that can be accepted. You won't have to pay a penalty if it's accepted by the IRS. Okay, so is, is there a paperwork or a form that I need to fill out to send somewhere so that uh, the hounds of hell will not <laughs> chase me down? Uh, there, When you file taxes now, there's a form that asks about health insurance. If you use a, an automated system like some of the free ones or you buy TurboTax, that's automatically asked of you. So, okay. it, And if you use a tax preparer, they should know what's needed. There is a tax form. I'm not going to say the number of it right now because I'm not positive of it, but you will get one. Um, as you file your taxes. Okay. Now, um, I'll tell you how I got to this. Um, I've had um, health insurance uh, privately for quite a few years, and um, every year 
the rates on my insurance have gone up on average about 30%. So I use an insurance broker who has access to the same plans that are on the healthcare.gov website. And I just out of frustration just said, I'm going to go on the healthcare, you know, forget about it. I'm just going to do it. And the rates were all the same, whether it was on healthcare.gov or using a broker. And this year, uh, my choices on comparable health plans that I had last year, which, by the way, went up 30% from the year before, were reduced down to one health care plan through Highmark. Now, I could go on the healthcare.gov website, and the only plans that were available for me were Coventry and Highmark, but my deductibles went up so high that they went up to, um, depending on, like you say, whether I chose a cheaper plan and got a higher deductible or a higher deductible and a cheaper plan, my rates went up anywhere from like 10 to 15 percent to, I was last year paying $810 a month for a family of four. This year, if I stayed with a comparable plan with the same amount of deductible, that, that rate would have went up to $1,400 a month. Hey, Steve, thank you very much for your call. Commissioner, you helped set rates uh, here in Pennsylvania. You just closed your eyes and smiled at me. It it wasn't a smile like you were happy. It was a a smile like, yeah, I know what you're going to (laughs) say. But keeping rates down, Mm -hmm. how can we do it? Okay, let me just say something. I, I mean, I read years ago when the Affordable Care Act was being debated that the only way to keep insurance rates from going up is if you don't use it. Well, the more people use insurance, certainly the claims data will support insurance companies raising their rates. Um, You know, we have in Pennsylvania 19 uh, companies who are selling individual coverage. And this last year for 2016 plans, we saw 12 of the companies that ultimately got uh, rate increases of less than 10%. So the good news is that most Pennsylvanians, it sounds like, are not in uh, Steve's camp where most Pennsylvanians saw less than a 10% increase, which is kind of where you would expect it to be. Um, but we did have six companies that came in and, uh, and requested increases of greater than 20%. So, you know, we spent a lot of time with those rate filings, particularly just because of the impact on consumers. And I was pleased that by the end of our process, you know, we cut back those proposed increases um, and ended up saving Pennsylvanians almost $81 million in terms of the difference between what we ended up approving and what was proposed by insurance companies. But we still do have some companies that are out there with 20 to 26 percent increases. And and that's where our message has really been people should shop because if they're if they're in one of those plans that saw the 25 percent increase or or whatever it was, then, you know, they they have other options. And and again, you know, you may need to look at different deductibles. You may need to you know be very careful that you're making sure you understand what you're moving to in terms of a plan. But the nice thing is we do have a competitive market. Not all states have a competitive market where you've got options. And everywhere across the state, people have at least four plans to choose from. So that's the good news. And in many places, there's a lot more plans to choose from. Do we know, and I, I don't know whether you have these figures or not, this may be anecdotal, do we know whether more Pennsylvanians are going to the doctor, are seeking treatment because they have become insured? Well, if you look at, I think Pennsylvania is probably similar to the rest of the country. And I think what most carriers are seeing and what most academics who write about this believe is that 
you know, when the Affordable Care Act passed and you had everyone coming in in 2014 with new coverage, that there was, it's often referred to as a pent-up demand for health care because you have people who in many cases have probably been uninsured for years and they have needs and they're now going to the doctor. What, what's been surprising, I think, for some of us and for companies, I think, as well as people like me who are looking at these rate filings is that we haven't seen that pent-up demand level off or go away. And I think all of us have sort of anticipated that after a couple years, people would have gotten the services they needed and you'd see that level off. We just haven't quite seen that yet. So I'm, I'm very hopeful that in the next year, we're going to start see that, seeing that pent-up demand level off. Are we still seeing, and again, maybe you can answer this, but I bring it out in conversation. Um, are we still seeing people who are going to the emergency room at the hospitals uh, for, for treatment when they could be going, even if they're insured now, when they could be going to a primary care physician? You know, I don't know, Lynn, if you have any insight in that. I don't know if, if that's still the case. I know companies are doing a lot to try to steer people to the, the best treatment option and the and the least cost, of, uh, the most cost effective um, option. But I don't know in terms of the actual data what we're seeing in terms of people continuing to go to the emergency room, for example, for things that they shouldn't be. I'm not certain of the data either, but I do hear a lot of people using the newer urgent care right, facilities, right, which right. they prefer because they're in and out much more quickly and get good care. And I, I think that's what the hospital systems are hoping for as they establish those urgent care centers. You know, and I, and I apologize for bringing up topics that uh, are not in your uh, expertise, but still, it's it's part of the Affordable Care Act. Part of the idea behind this was that uh, there would be more preventive care that people would go to a physician and a doctor would tell them uh, that, you know, here's something you need to do to keep yourself from from getting sick. But Commissioner, from what you're telling me, it sounds like that hasn't uh, worked out either, at least we it, not to the, the level that we anticipated. Well, I, I do think we've seen more people using preventive care. Under the ACA, a, a lot of preventive care services now are, are, free, right. are free to the consumer. Right. Um, so I do think we've seen that, but I don't think that that means necessarily that that that's not working. Um, I do think that uh, you still have the pent-up demand that a preventive service is not going to take care of when you've got somebody who's got real health issues and, and needs a lot of treatment. So I think you've got people using that preventive care, and that's a good thing long term. I still think you've got that pent-up demand that, that we see that people are still continuing to to heavily utilize so in other words we we've had people who are uninsured for years who just did not seek treatment and now that they have insurance they're seeking treatment that's right Mm -hmm. you're listening to smart talk on witf your home for npr news and all things regional i'm scott lamar welcome back to smart talk january 31st this sunday is the deadline for open enrollment 2016 for the affordable care act and uh for those who are uninsured you have until uh, this Sunday to uh, at least get in the marketplace and shop for a plan, see what you can do about getting insurance. If not, uh, you'll face a fine of $695 this year, $347 per child, up to $2,500 for a family or 2.5% of your total income. So it wouldn't be cheap to do that. So uh, take advantage of it. 1-800-729-7532 is our phone number. If you have a question or a comment or go to smarttalk at witf.org for an email. Let's see. Let's uh, go to 
own email here from Stewart, who says, at the end of 2015, my health insurance stopped offering the policy I had for years. The only reason I have health insurance is in case I get run over by a truck or get a horrible disease. There's two good reasons to seek health insurance, I think, that Stewart just brought up. I did get on healthcare.gov, found a policy, and tried to purchase. It said I did not make enough money and wanted to put me on Medicaid. I don't want Medicaid. They do not cover all the medicines, and I couldn't keep my regular doctor. For instance, if I get hepatitis, Medicaid in Pennsylvania will only cover the round of drugs to cure hepatitis if you start to have liver damage. In the meantime, hepatitis can give you cancer before it damages your liver. Uh, he, he goes on a little bit more here, but uh, I get the idea. So what are the choices for uh, someone like Stewart, other than getting run over by a truck or getting a horrible disease, as he described? I like to encourage people to take another look at Medicaid. Um, it is, it's good insurance coverage. In Pennsylvania, we call it Medicaid Health Choices. People have worked all their lives. They find themselves in a situation where they are not making the income they once had. They've paid into this by paying their taxes, federal and state taxes. I think it is good. Certainly, there are network restrictions, but there are in the other plans, as we've discussed earlier today. Uh, the formulary for Medicaid can change. They change for Medicare and the marketplace also. What you start out with that's available to you as prescriptions may not be available to you during the course of the year because the company changes its formulary list of drugs that they'll pay for. So that's true in any insurance plan. Mm. You know, one, one of the things that Stuart mentioned was he couldn't keep his doctor. Uh, and I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but uh, when people have criticized the Affordable Care Act, that's one of the criticisms they have is that people can't keep the doctor or they have to move to another doctor if they take certain plans. Does that happen often? It happens on regular insurance. As an employer, I've purchased insurance for employees, you know, for the company. And if you change an insurance company, your employees may lose their doctors and have to go elsewhere because there are networks that the commissioner can explain better than I can. Commissioner, mm -hmm. you know, there was some question about uh, the number of doctors in Pennsylvania who would accept Medicaid. Are you aware of whether that number has increased, whether it stayed steady? I is that an issue in this state? I, I don't know. I, I'm just not familiar with Medicaid enough to, to know. Okay. All right. Let's take another uh, another phone call here from Bill in Perry County. Bill, you're on the air. Hey, hey, on, folks. I've got uh, you know. Listen to you folks talk. Uh, I, I don't. I, in my estimation, uh, health care is one of the more volatile issues in this country. Uh, 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 the, the folks that brought up about the analogy to the car. Uh, uh, to me, I, you know, I, I, I pay to insure my car, and if I do wreck it, they will fix it exactly the way it should be returned to. But with health care, you pay your premium, and you have no idea who's going to determine what. So I, I don't – that analogy I, I, I don't agree with. But here's, my, here's why I call it. I'm 61 years old, okay? I'm one of those guys caught in between Medicare and uh, having my own health insurance. Now, I did try to get on the marketplace, and on average, and I think, Scott, you had brought it up earlier, if it's cost-effective, they want anywhere from my age between four to $600 a month, okay, for a health care plan with an unbelievable deductible approaching $12,000. So my, my question is, what does a guy – now, fortunately, thank God, I am relatively healthy. I just got a physical. My game plan, like I told my doctor, is to uh, 
work my health until Medicare. Because quite frankly, now I just, my wife just did a rough sketch of our taxes yesterday. I'm going to pay that, uh, my, uh, my penalty is $749. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's almost a premium payment. But here's my thing. Now, even if I could afford to pay $600 or $400 or $500 a month, uh, I still have a massive deductible. So I'm essentially just sending that money out and receiving no benefit. Hey, Bill, thank you very much for your call. Keep your blood pressure down there, Bill. I mean, that Bill, but, you know, he has a, he, I can understand why he's, uh, why he's upset because $12,000 deductible, and I know that's, you know, I've seen plans like that. So, but he's right. When you see a $12,000 deductible, you think, why even have insurance? Lynn? Well, I want to encourage people, if you have not used a navigator or other sister to help you with the health insurance issues, I'd encourage you to do that. I know that Scott will have our number up on uh, his website, but it's one eight five five two seven four five six two six. Sometimes there are some ins and outs that the individual who's just doing this for the first time or for their family might not be aware of. But the navigators will try to help you find the best plan for you and your family. We can't fix the numbers, but we we can help based on our experience and our training. We can help you. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's take another phone call from Rose, and this kind of answers, I think Rose has a question about one of our earlier callers that we didn't give an answer to about a green card. Rose, you're on the air. Hi, Hi. how are you? I'm doing well. Good. I have a question about um, my parents. Are they going to be here uh, around maybe uh, May? And there uh, will be a new immigrants for uh, is it like green card holders. And my question is, they, you know, they have income in China, but they are not in the U.S. And for this health insurance, you have to have like last year income to estimate how much you're going to pay. So, how can they qualify for the? you know, market without the income figures. Right. Hey, thank you very much for your call. And this also touches on the question we had earlier. A gentleman asked about uh, how you do get income figures for someone who may have just gotten a green card getting into the United States. Well, we work with people. We work with a lot of immigrants, actually. Uh, some have green cards. Some have become citizens. But they're we're certainly willing to sit down with Rose and her parents when they come in. I don't know where you live, but we we can travel to your community and figure this out. We have seen people move in from other countries who are able to purchase on the marketplace. There's also a plan in Pennsylvania if, for instance, somebody came here from another country, developed cancer. There is a plan that Pennsylvania will use state funds to help get health care for a person with an immediate medical needs such as that. Mm -hmm. So there are some options available, but there are many immigrants who have purchased insurance on the marketplace. Now, one thing I, I do want to ask about, and that is, you know, we've been talking about that the reason that we're doing this show is that the deadline for open enrollment is this Sunday. Someone comes into this country, someone loses their job, uh, who, who has been, you know, has lived here for their whole lives. Um, you know, the open enrollment for next year doesn't come up until November 1st, or is it November 1st next year? Do you know? Is it, it is, no, is yes. It, okay, of 2016. Between now and November 1st, 
what do they do? Well, there are special enrollment periods for people in that have special circumstances. So if you lose your job and then lose your coverage, if you have a baby, if you get married, if you experience those types of kind of life changes, then there are special enrollment periods where you can come in in the middle of the year outside of open enrollment. What do they do? Do they go to healthcare.gov? They can go to healthcare.gov. I think navigators also will assist them throughout the year, but healthcare.gov mm-hmm. will walk you through the, the special life circumstances that allow for that. Okay. Uh, Dana writes us and says, I have two questions. One reason for bankruptcy was healthcare costs. Since more are insured, has there been a decrease in healthcare-related bankruptcies? If so, I believe there's a positive outcome from the ACA. Also, uh, emergency rooms always have to treat people. And she, I think she's referring to what I had asked earlier about whether we'd see uh, a leveling off or a decrease in emergency room visits for people who could be going to uh, primary care physicians. Any idea about the bankruptcy question? I bet HHS, I bet the Department of Health and Human Services has data on that. I just, I don't know it off the top of my head. And right. it is difficult to get that data after only two and a half years of having this uh, operating. So it might be something that has to wait another year or two to develop the data. Okay. Let's go to Tony in Harrisburg. Tony, you're on the air. Tony, you're there. Oh, okay. I guess not. I'm just reading Tony's uh, the notes here. Tony's independent contractor makes too much to be subsidized in the past year. His plan has increased by 40%. Also, it has issues with certain plans only covering certain hospitals uh, and not having much cross-competition. Um I actually wasn't even aware that that's part of it, that you only can go to certain hospitals. That's right. And I think Lynn has some stories that she was sharing with me about helping people um, and looking for new plans. And, And you do have to be really careful when we talk about networks. We talk about not just, you know, your doctors, but also facilities. So anywhere you go to get health care. Companies have, insurance companies have contracts with certain facilities, certain doctors, and not others. So you've got to be really careful when, you know, we're encouraging everyone to shop and we want everyone to shop, but you have to be really careful when you're moving plans to make sure that you know which facilities and which doctors are are in that new network. But most people think wherever they are, that if they get sick, they get hurt, that they go to the hospital, they will have to be treated. But that you're telling me they, if they're not part of uh, the network or part of that, that they could be charged for that. Yes. Yes. And there, there are some special rules around emergency services that protect people from things like balance bills. We talked before about balance billing. Explain that because I know you're still on that and I'm with you on that. Yeah. So, And there's existing state law that protects people. So if you go to an out-of-network hospital now uh, and get treated, as you said, you have to get treated, there's protections now where consumers can only get billed a certain amount so they don't end up with huge bills because they went as an, in an emergency, Without went to an emergency. Knowing, yeah. Right. So we have protections for emergencies, but we're obviously working at the department on expanding that to uh, to not just emergencies, but anyone who unknowingly is treated by um, an out-of-network uh, provider. All right. Let's go to John in Harrisburg. John, you're on the air. Yes. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, you're welcome. Um, I just wanted to um, just thank the, the navigators and the whole plan. My uh, I, I had been working in uh, 2014. I had a job. We were getting our health insurance through my company. And then in May, they went bankrupt. And we lost our health insurance. My wife and I recovered. The next day, we found out that my wife had cancer. Oh, my God. So, so I, you know, we, I immediately went to our navigator. 
and I mean, she was she was great, and we got health insurance for my wife. Um, and, uh, and then in November, she had a massive heart attack and almost died. <laughs> so, so um, you know, we would have we would have been bankrupt without health insurance. In fact, she might have not even made it without health insurance. So, the Affordable Health Care Act basically saved my wife's life. And the doctors, it, it uh, the Pinnacle Health System saved them, saved their life too in well, Harrisburg Hospital. But so, um, John, how is she doing today? How are you well, both she's, doing? She's in really good shape. She has had since then she had another heart attack, but then uh, after the second heart attack, they decided to uh, do a triple bypass, which she had in December. So she's doing really well now. Well, I'm glad you called in, and uh, you know we wish the both uh, both you and your wife uh, the best, and it, it's. You know, it's good to hear that, uh, you know, we've heard so many horror stories over the past hour, and that hasn't been the case for everyone. And, John, again, thank you very much for sharing your story. And Okay, that, I'd like to say one more thing. Oh, um, okay, go ahead. If I, if I can. Uh, sure. Our, our plan that we had was discontinued last year. In other words, last year was the last year, but we went back to a navigator, and we got even, even a better deal this year, for, for this, this year's health insurance. So navigators are really, really great. Okay. Well, thank you very much thank for you. your call. Uh, Lynn, did you set that up? No, I didn't set that up. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to say one of the great things about the Affordable Care Act is that the insurers have to accept people with pre-existing conditions. And that was not the case before the Affordable Care Act. And people with mental health needs, drug and alcohol treatment needs can also get insurance now through any plans on the marketplace. And that's a first. So... There are very many positive things that we've seen for people. I, I just can't imagine what John and his wife went through, losing insurance, and the next day finding out his wife had cancer. Right. So uh, it's good to hear that there was a positive outcome that uh, you know it didn't cost them everything they have. Uh, we have time for one more call. Let's take it from Joe in Harrisburg. Joe, you're on the air. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. For... I only have about a minute left, Joe. Okay. Um, nobody's mentioned co-insurance. Co-pays. And, yeah, no, co-insurance. Oh, okay, okay. Um, about how that can squeeze costs and add to it. And also not just the cost of deductibles, but how the rules have changed and what is included in deductible. There used to be, you know, just major expenses were included deductibles. Now it's everything from simple blood tests. And all of that just adds to the cost. Mm -hmm. Out of pocket. Hey, thank you very much for your call, Joe. I hate to have to wrap you up like the co-insurance. Yeah, Joe's exactly right. You know, you have you have copays, which is where you pay a dollar right, amount, twenty dollars right. for your visit, and then you have coinsurance, which is a percentage of the amount that that service would cost you. So coinsurance is usually quite a bit more, and coinsurance, copays, deductibles, we sort of lump all of those into and call it cost sharing. So those are out of pocket costs that people pay in addition, of course, to their premiums. Um, and he's right. We're we are seeing. I've talked as as I've worked with folks over open enrollment. We've seen that uh, the rules are changing for deductibles, and in some cases, drugs have a separate deductible. So he's absolutely right, and that's why going to a navigator is a great idea. Uh, we are almost out of time. Lynn Kelts, uh, the number or uh, a website for navigators. Uh, number one eight five five two seven four five six two six, and that's for navigators anywhere in the state. Lynn Kelts is a, a healthcare navigator and uh, Commissioner uh, Teresa Miller is Pennsylvania's Insurance Commissioner. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>